Pete McCall, and this is episode 48 of All About Fitness. Today on All About Fitness, I'm doing a quick fit tip about how personal trainers and fitness instructors are educated. Now, I find it interesting to note that I'm not often asked what my education is or what my qualifications are to be a personal trainer, or when I'm leading a workout, people don't ask me, you know, what are your qualifications to do this? It's just kind of assumed that if you're working in a health club, you have the qualification, you have the skill set to be there. But nonetheless, less, right now, as it stands, it's uh, early July 2017, and what's happening in the next few weeks is some of the largest fitness education conferences in our industry are going to be taking place. The first one that I'm just attending as, as, a, as an attendee is a National Strength and Conditioning Association conference, and that's going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada. Well, everybody knows where Las Vegas is. Um, but the National Strength and Conditioning Conference is the certifying body for strength coaches, personal trainers, and now they have a new designation, the Tactical Strength and Conditioning Coach. And Tactical Strength and Conditioning refers to working with military, fire, law enforcement, first responder personnel. But that's been a whole separate component that's arisen the last 10 years or so. So that's the first one. And at NSCA, it's usually a lot of researchers in the field. You're looking at professors presenting research they've conducted, and you're looking at some of the top strength coaches in the world talking about the, the principles that they use for success. So that's that's where I go to kind of get my geek on. I love going to those, those workshops and, and those lectures and really just digging in and listening to some of the latest science. Some of the stuff I'm going to be going to this year includes metabolic conditioning, it includes mobility training, and and as you've heard me talk about on this podcast with a number of my guests, I'm also going to be going to a couple um, sessions on the science of recovery, how our body adapts to exercise. So that's the first conference happening, the National Strength and Conditioning Association. The second one is IDEA World, and IDEA stands for the International Dance Exercise Association, and that's a trade association of personal trainers and group fitness instructors. And IDEA World, again, is going to take place in Las Vegas, Nevada, and that is much more of an industry-specific conference. NSCA is all about strength coaches and researchers. IDEA is all about personal trainers and group fitness instructors. And now at IDEA, I'm going to be actually presenting and speaking one of the groups I'm going to be presenting for is Active Motion Bar, one of the sponsors of All About Fitness. Another group I'll be uh, speaking for and doing a workshop for is Core Health and Fitness. Core Health and Fitness has um, owned Stairmaster, Nautilus, Star Trek, and Schwinn Fitness. So I'll be working with a couple of different groups. And the really cool thing is for listeners... If you listen to my podcast regularly, I'm actually recording a live podcast. I'll be recording a podcast at IDEA with a couple of the top industry experts, Amy Dixon of Equinox, Jessica Matthews, who's been on the program, been on the podcast a couple of times, and Fabio Camana. So we'll be talking about how we can do a better job as professionals engaging consumers. So if you're going to be at IDEA, if you're going to, it's also a um, big health and wellness expo. It's a blogging conference. It's a huge, they've really grown the conference the last five to seven years, but if you're going to be at at idea i'm actually recording a, a podcast on the morning of saturday july i believe it's um july 17th but it's that saturday morning at idea so getting ready for these conferences i wanted to go into a little bit about how personal trainers and how fitness instructors are educated so for podcast listeners out there you have an understanding of what it is that of, of kind of the background and qualifications of the people you're working with First, I think it's really important to note that as it stands right now, there is no professional licensure. 
There's no licensure requirement. None of the 50 states or the District of Columbia have a licensure requirement for personal trainers or group fitness instructors. There have been a few bills put out in various um, in various state legislatures. D.C. actually passed one at the city council, but that was um, put on hold while they they went through some some of the different formats on it or what looked at looked at it in deeper detail. But right now, nobody requires a personal trainer to be licensed. That's a scary thing for consumers because anybody can call themselves a personal trainer. I'll say that again. Anybody can call his or herself a personal trainer. Anybody can start teaching group fitness classes in a park. You know, the only thing you need is to have the confidence to stand up in front of people. And this is a big issue because a lot of people are becoming fitness experts on, or I should use fitness experts in quotes, but a lot of people are becoming fitness experts via social media. And that's a very scary thing because they may not have any qualifications to provide education about what it is that you're doing. So when you work with a trainer, when you you take classes with an instructor, at the very least, you want to find out if they have a certification. And I've worked with two of the largest certification organizations, well, I currently do. I I work full-time for the American Council on Exercise, and I now work as a contractor and consultant for them, doing a lot of content development. And I also work with the National Academy of Sports Medicine. I teach online personal training courses for them, and I've written chapters for both organizations for their textbooks on personal training. So I have a very close relationship with them. I've also spoken at other NSCA events, including an NSCA personal trainer conference. And once upon a time, I was a state rep when I lived in Washington, D.C. for the NSCA. So I have a very, you know, very good relationship with all organizations. And I'm certified by each of those three um, organizations. And I maintain my certifications, even though I also have a master's degree in exercise science. And I'm going to go into what certification is. Certification is a is having the skill set to meet the needs of a specific job category. So think about a mechanic. In order to be a certified mechanic, somebody needs to prove that he or she has the skill set to be able to meet the needs of what it requires to be a mechanic, whether you're working on cars, whether you're working on boats, whether you're working on trucks or motorcycles. Each one is a specific designation. So when it comes to fitness, a certification body will sit down and identify what are the skill sets, what are the job skills that a personal trainer needs to have. All the big organizations do this. American Council on Sports Medicine, American College of Sports Medicine, American Council on Exercise, National Academy of Sports Medicine, National Strength and Conditioning Association. They all sit down and, and say what they all write list out what are the skill sets that a personal trainer needs to have. What they then do is write an exam to test those skill sets. So in a skill set for, I've, I've been involved in the, in, the, in the development for ACE, personal trainers need to be able to do an assessment. Personal trainers need to be able to do program design. Personal trainers need to be able to adjust a program and modify a program based on individual's needs. And they also have some professional responsibilities regarding business and professional conduct. Those are four of the primary categories at which a certification tests, or at least one of the ACE certification tests. So that's what a certification is. It has specific job skills of what you're testing. Now, in the fitness industry, you'll hear people turn, you know, say, I'm certified to use X piece of equipment, or I'm a certified cycling instructor. Well, that means they've gone through a, an education process to be able to teach a specific format of exercise, but there is no accreditation process for that certification. You know, if I'm if I say I'm a certified cycling instructor, okay, I've taken a workshop. That means I've learned how to teach a particular type of indoor cycling. But there is no governing body looking at at the process to see if there's um, to see if it meets the accreditation. 
the major personal training certifications have that accreditation. A number of years ago, back in the early 2000s, I think it was 03, 04, the health club industry got behind the Institute for Credentialing Excellence. That's ICE, the Institute for Credentialing Excellence. So the Health Club Industry Association, URSA, the International Health and Racket Sports Club Association, decided that they would use the ICE, ICE accreditation to, um, to verify that a certification has met certain needs. Now, what an accreditation does is it makes sure that a certification body like ACE, NASM, NSCA, or ACSM is meeting very specific standards for the testing process. So when I worked at ACE, I was not involved in the test development process. My job at ACE was to develop continuing education to help certified professionals maintain their credential. And I'll go into that in a minute. But I was not involved in actual test development. It wasn't until I left ACE and became a contractor with ACE that I got involved in some of the exam development process. But when you look at, at the accreditation process, the accreditation is just an auditing. Every In order to be accredited, every certification organization every five years has to go through the accreditation process. It's like going through an audit. What the, what the ICE does, and actually it's the NCCA, the National Commission for Certifying Agencies, that's a component of, of the Institute for Credentialing Excellence. So there's a lot of acronyms thrown around, but I just went with ICE because it's the easier one to, to refer to. But what ICE does is every five years, they look at your standards for test development, they look at your standards for how you write the test and whether or not you're writing the test to meet the needs of the job skills. So that way, an organization can't write um, a test to meet the proprietary needs of what that organization teaches. So if you take any certification exam, you're being asked about the science of exercise and not about how that particular organization feels about exercise. And that's very important. That's one, that, that's one of the reasons why the accreditation process is so important, is it adheres to specific scientific evaluation and testing protocols. Now, there are other organizations out there, and I'm going to use CrossFit as an example. CrossFit decided to go a different route. CrossFit works with a group called ANSI, and that's what the American, I have it written down here. That's the, I'll come up with it. ANSI is the, do, 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 is the American National Standards Institute. So again, it's just another accreditation process. So it's not that CrossFit's, it's just different. They went with the ANSI standard, which does professional education um, in other areas, and, meet, and CrossFit meets the ANSI standards of accreditation for their certification process. So when you, when you start looking at, if you're going to hire a personal trainer, you're going to work with a group fitness instructor, or you're going to go to a studio on a regular basis, it's very important to understand how those individuals are trained and how they're educated, because this is your health. That's why it's so important. This is your health. Exercise done the wrong way could injure you or kill you. And, and I don't say that to scare you, but I say that because it's a matter of fact. Every health club organization I've worked with has had people die in the health club. YMCA, commercial gyms. It's just a matter of fact that if people do exercise wrong, it could be deadly. Now, a number of the people that have died had underlying coronary issues that weren't diagnosed prior to starting an exercise program. That's why if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I need to get started with exercise, if you're over the age of 40 for, for male, if you're over the age of 45 for female, it's highly, highly recommended that you go see a doctor before beginning an exercise program. Go to your annual wellness visit. Make sure you have no underlying stressors that could, that could change your education, that could, that could cause harm once you start exercising. Because exercise is physical stress applied to the body. 
if you have an underlying disease like heart disease, if you have high blood pressure, if you have you know other you know metabolic disease going on, diabetes, onset diabetes, or you're pre-diabetic, it's very important to be screened because exercise. If you already have an underlying disease condition, it is going to change how your body responds to exercise. That's where fatality comes in. Your body is not able to accommodate or handle the stress of an imposed exercise. So it's very, very important to be checked out by a medical professional if you're over the age of 40 for a male and over the age of 45 for a female before starting an exercise program. So back to to the, the certification process. The whole point of the certification process is to ensure that that people working in the field have a certain standard of education in order to be able to help you, the consumer, design an exercise program or do an exercise program. And that's why it's also very important to listen. You've heard me talk with some of my guests on here. It's very important to listen to what a personal trainer has to say. Now, if a personal trainer brings up a point of concern, they might they might refer you to a doctor. It's important that you go do that. Don't go look for another personal trainer. A good, highly educated personal trainer following the ethics and the integrity of what they're supposed to do, if they have any concerns about your health and wellness, will refer you to a medical professional. And if that's the case, you should go see them. But when you come when it comes down to it, once people become certified, they're supposed to do continuing education in order to maintain their certification. That's where people like myself and a number of my guests, that's where we make part of our living is when I worked at the American Council on Exercise, I wrote continuing education to help uh, certified professionals maintain their certification. ACE required 20 hours every two years. NASM requires 20 hours every two years. NSCA has a three-year renewal process for their certification. That falls in line with a lot of professional, um, with a lot of professional, uh, professional categories like doctors, attorneys, insurance agents, anybody that has a professional license or anybody that's certified in order to do their their job, their skill set has to do a certain amount of continuing education. That's one reason why it's important to look for a certified fitness instructor or a certified personal trainer, because they're going to be going to ongoing education. So they're going to be doing things like going to the NSCA conference. They're going to be doing things like going to the IDEA conference. They're going to be taking education workshops. They're going to be doing online education. It's important that they do that on a regular basis because our understanding of fitness changes. Like recently, within the last three or four years, the standard was lowered. That's why I'm saying men over 40. A few years ago, ACSM came out with their guidelines for risk factors, and they identified that men over the age of 40 already have an existing risk factor for um, for a health issue, especially related to, to heart disease or coronary artery disease. So things change. That's why it's very important to maintain continuing education. Now, to, when it comes to working, if, you, if you're a member of a health club, if you're a member of a large health club, they have very specific standards for the type of people they hire. And for the most part, large health clubs provide continuing education for their staff. That's one of the things I used to do before working for the certification. I worked for a couple of health club companies doing the education internally for the trainers and, and the fitness instructors at those health clubs. So if, you, if you're a member of a large health club, more often than not, you'll see the qualifications of the staff up on the, on the wall. You'll be able to understand that, and anybody, any manager will be able to answer your questions in that area. So that's not a concern. What's different is if you go to a smaller gym, if you go to a studio, or if you see a trainer doing a boot camp program or doing an outdoor conditioning program in a park, there's no standards there. They, they don't even need to be certified, in all honesty, to be able to do that. A lot of gyms I know, and, and I teach in a college program, uh, and I've had students come to me saying, I got hired, but I'm not certified yet. 
And that's kind of scary because these are people who are going to be leading exercise. These are people who are going to be your exercise instructors that they mean well, but they don't have all the education they should have in order to be leading exercise programs. So if you go to a smaller gym, if you work with a trainer in your house, or if you work with a trainer at a park or community center, or if you know they're a contractor, because some gyms will have trainers work as a contractor, meaning the trainer leases space to be able to see clients at that gym. Make sure your, your trainer has some qualifications. Now, the other thing that would, instead of a certification, if your trainer has a degree in the field, a four-year degree or a master's degree, some of those trainers don't always maintain their certifications because it can be expensive. It can be $120 every two years to renew your certification. And that doesn't count doing the education. Going to a conference is not, not cheap. You know, Dan is CA, I think I paid $300 to register for the conference, and I'm also paying airfare and hotel and everything to, to attend it. And I, and I know that's a business cost, so I deduct that. That's a whole different conversation. But some trainers won't do, won't maintain their, their certification because they see it as expensive, and they don't think they need it because they have a degree. But if somebody has a degree, that's a starting point. And keep in mind, that's an important thing, that just like getting a driver's license, if I get my driver's license at 16, it does not qualify me to drive a Porsche 911 Carrera, which can go from 0 to 60 in 4 seconds. It just means I can drive. It doesn't mean I have skills yet. So having a certification is a bare minimum. Having a four-year degree in an exercise science field is a bare minimum. That's a starting point. All good professionals in our industry will do continuing education on a regular basis. Now, health clubs, most of the larger health clubs, will offer continuing education programs for their staff. Health club companies like Lifetime Fitness and Equinox and the YMCA do that. They, you know, they continually offer health um, in, in-house education for their staff. I've been a part of those education programs. You know, the company I used to work for, which um, remained nameless, but it's on the East Coast, used to do that as well. That's that's how I got my introduction into into the uh, education component. So I'm, I'm going through this because I think it's very important if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a consumer, you, you may work with a trainer, you may take classes. It's really important to know how how these instructors are educated. And at the very least, your instructor should have an accredited certification. I'm going to put a few links below to some of the organizations I mentioned in the show notes. And the organizations, to some degrees, are competitors, but also they've come together to, to form something called the Registry Registry of Exercise Professionals, well, the acronym is REPS here in the States. Some of these organizations have come together to all agree on the standards at which they should be training and educating their trainers. So it's very important that as a consumer, if you're, if you're thinking about taking classes or if you're taking classes, or you're working with a trainer, understand what, your qualifi- what the qualifications are of the instructor. You know, when you go to a doctor's office, if you go through a health insurance company, you know the doctor has certain qualifications. You wouldn't just go to a guy on the street who's walking around in a white lab coat, would you? No, but that's what happens in our industry. If somebody looks fit, if they have abs, if they have ripped guns, if they look sexy, we think, oh, that person must know what they're doing. I don't need to ask about their qualifications. Nothing, absolutely nothing could be further from the truth. Make sure that you ask about your trainer's qualifications. Understand how your trainer's educated. At the bare minimum, they should have a certifications. Ideally, they should have at least a two-year degree in exercise science or at least have gone through some type of trade school in order to be able to, to be leading the exercise program. That's not to scare you. 
It's just to help you understand what it takes to be a, a professional in the field. When I started in the field in the late 1990s, I earned the ACE certification. And, and to be honest, I really didn't have much of an idea of what I was doing. But the health club company I worked for put me through five hours or five days of classes. They put me through a 40-hour program to become more educated. And from there, I started doing continued education. And about 10, 12 years ago, I got my master's degree in exercise science. So I really, you know, I was one of those people that really put an emphasis on my continuing education, and I still do. Hence why I'm going, you know, why I'm going to the NSA conference. And at every conference I go to, I speak at, I usually try to drop in and catch one or two education sessions. And I am constantly reading journals. I'm constantly picking up new books, much to my wife's chagrin. I have a, I have a couple of bookcases that are busting at the seams of all the books I buy and use for various re- things I do, whether I'm, I'm writing I'm writing classes for where I teach in college, whether I'm writing articles or blogs, but I'm always picking that stuff up. Anyway, on this fit tip, I just wanted to give you a little information about how personal trainers are educated. You should know that. You should understand that there are qualifications because there is no licensure yet. And this is absolutely stunning. It's absolutely stunning. If I want to cut your hair, if I want to do your nails, I have to have a license. Hair and nails are dead tissue. If I want to give you an exercise program, I don't. If I just want to start training you, I can call myself a personal trainer with absolutely zero qualifications. At the very minimum, if you work with a trainer, if you work with an instructor, they should have a certification and they should have an accredited certification. And that's a, that's a you know just, that's a lot to give you today. I usually try to keep these fit, quick fit tips relatively short, but I wanted to go into the process so as a consumer you are under you you are more aware and you know the questions to ask. Ask if your trainer is certified. How did you get your tra- how did your trainer earn their certification? Does your trainer do continuing education? Do they go to conferences? Do they go to workshops? Do they do online education? A number of groups do online education, and some of those are very good, um, especially the ones I've written. <laughs> um, but in all honesty, those are the questions to ask. Are they certified? Do they do continuing education? What was the last continuing education workshop they did? Because the people that are on top of the game are those that you want to be working with. They understand the latest, the latest findings in science. They understand that it might not be safe for you to be doing high-intensity interval training five days a week because it's not. They understand how to implement the proper recovery you know, procedures in order to be able to help you recover from, you know, recover from exercise. So that's a quick fit tip of the day. Understand the education process behind how your trainer, your favorite instructor, got the skills, got the qualifications to be able to do what he or she is doing. I have some information in the show notes, so please check below. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week, and I look forward to having you stop by at a later date.